Welcome to Success in Brief. I'm your host, Roseanne Filicello. In every episode, we spotlight successful women in the law. We discuss with them their journey to success. We talk about the difficulties and the trade-offs, along with the highlights and the benefits, and about what success means to each of them. We hope to inspire you with these stories on your own path to success. Hello, my name is Roseanne Filicello, and this is Success in Brief. I'm thrilled today to welcome Aliki Sophis to our podcast. Aliki is a partner in the Boston office of Quinn Emanuel, and she's a general commercial litigator and a trial attorney who focuses her practice on all types of business disputes, fraud, breaches of fiduciary duty, class actions, employment issues, domestic and international arbitration, and crisis management. She's an award-winning and nationally recognized litigator by Chambers USA, Law 360, The Law Dragon 500, and Massachusetts Super Lawyers. Aliki is a committee member for Boston College Law Day and mentors students in the Discovering Justice Youth Program. She's also a proud mom of two young boys, ages eight and four, who will keep Aliki and her husband active and on their toes. I have an eight-year-old boy, so I know that that's true. <laughs> and so I'm very excited to speak to Aliki and hear more about her success. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Roseanne, thank you for having me, and, and thank you for having this platform. I think it's great. Well, let's jump right in. What was your path to becoming an attorney? Did you have attorneys in your family growing up? You know, what made you go to law school? Sure. So I had uh, zero attorneys in my family. I am a first generation Greek. So my parents were Greece and immigrated to this country. So I really had no exposure to the legal system or what it really meant to be a lawyer. Um, but interestingly enough, when I was in fifth or sixth grade, I declared that I was going to be a high powered lawyer. I, I don't know exactly where that came from than probably um, TV dramas that I watched. And I actually, the OJ Simpson trial was going on at that time. And I would come home from school and watch it. And I was fascinated by it. And so that kind of started piquing my interest in the legal world. And I had pretty much tunnel vision after that in terms of what I did to become a lawyer. In high school, I did mock trial and I realized, hey, I, I really do like this. Uh, my inclination toward it actually worked out in that I enjoyed it. Um, and then in college, I was a double major in poli sci and philosophy, which dovetails pretty nicely with what you tend to do in school. And so that was my career path. Um, I went to law school straight through from college because I knew that's what I want to do. Um, an internship with the New England Patriots in law school, which was super fun. And then I ended up at Ropes and Gray, which is a large law firm in Boston. And I've been on that path ever since. That's great. And you and I have that in common. I also started my career at Ropes and Gray. So yeah. uh, it's fun to be Ropes alumni. I, th I think that um, of the big firms, it actually does a really good job of keeping in touch with its alumni. Um, and uh, I appreciate that. I, yeah, absolutely. It's a great base. It's a great foundation. And it's it's really a great group of people who I've kept in touch with over the years. So that's been nice. How did you um, get the internship at the with um, the NFL with the Patriots? That sounds really interesting and different than most litigation paths. 
Yeah, so I used to work in the club section when I was in college. And so every Sunday on game day, I went and I worked, served food. And that was something that I enjoyed. I was a huge and still am a huge Patriots fan. So when I saw that there was an internship opportunity, I decided I'm going to apply and reach out to my contacts there. And it worked out for me. It was really fun. Every day was um, showing up to the stadium. And it was actually during the time that they were building Patriot Place. For anybody who's familiar with what it looks like now, that's not what it looked like 13, 14 years ago. Um, so I was involved in a lot of the property negotiations and things of that nature leading into what is now Patriot Place. That's so interesting. Um, and a very different experience than I'm sure anything that you've had at Ropes and Gray or Quinn Emanuel since then. Absolutely, completely different. It gave me more of a feel of what it's like to be in-house mm -hmm. and what in-house attorneys think about in terms of legal issues. I mean, everything comes up, right? You have employment issues that come up, property issues. Um, there, there were obviously a lot of sports contract negotiations, but it gave me a good flavor of what my clients in the long term would be thinking about. Um, you really can't prepare for a day when you're in-house. It could be anything. So that was an interesting viewpoint, and that was my one L summer. It's a great foundation. Um, speaking of foundations, how did you navigate the path, you know, from being a, a new associate to um, partnership? Because you're now a partner at Quinn Emanuel, and you could tell us a little bit about how you navigated that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, as as an associate, you really want to look for and create opportunities that will give you exactly what you need to show I have the business acumen and the potential to build a book of business. So please make me a partner, right? Um, and for me, I knew I wanted to be a litigator. I knew I wanted to be a courtroom lawyer. So I always sought out opportunities to be on cases where I would get real experience taking depositions, arguing motions, um, and getting actually my feet wet in the courtroom. At Ropes and Gray, um, I had the opportunity to do a six-month rotation at the Middlesex County DA's office. And that was an incredible opportunity where you're literally in court arguing every day and doing your own trials. Um, so that gave me a lot of uh, experience in court. Once I got to Quinn, I knew that I really needed to make sure that Quinn Emanuel knew I could do this work and I am a trial lawyer and I can do the courtroom stuff. So in 2018, when I came to Quinn, um, we landed a huge case. It was about the company litigation and it was a 12 week file to trial case. Um, wow. it, yeah, it was crazy. It was bet the company. It was patent litigation. It was before Judge Young in the District of Massachusetts, and he tends to truncate any preliminary injunction hearing with a trial. And so I was one of four lawyers at counsel table, and I had opportunities to cross-examine witnesses, which I had done a number of times in the past, but here I am at a new firm. And I wanted to make sure that people saw me in action and what I could do. And so I think, you know, that case not only put our office on the map because we won it, it was a big jury trial, but it also helped to kind of launch my career here 
at Quinn because I was exposed to so many different people on that case. And it was it was terrific. Um, and it's my favorite case of all time that I've ever done. What was the case about? It was, um, we represented a 3D printing company based here <laughs> And one of its competitors sued our client for patent infringement and trademark misappropriation. Um, without getting into all of the specifics, there was a lot of overlap in the company's management. And so we counterclaimed for fraud and breaches of fiduciary duty and trademark misappropriation of our trademark and patent information. Um, and our counterclaims were extremely strong, and we were able to show that really the exact opposite of what those allegations were happened, and the jury came back for us. That's fantastic. It's a great feeling when you win, right? <laughs> I, mean, it was, um, I have to say one of the most emotional wins we've ever had because we had turned our entire office into a war room with 30 plus lawyers on this team. I mean, we were genuinely drinking from a fire hose and it was a huge case with a lot of media coverage. And um, it was really gratifying because our client was in the right. And it, frankly, the founder of that company, Mark Forge, is still one of my best friends to this day because of that experience. I, I find that, um... You know, every time you think or reflect about what you do in your career, sometimes you think, well, is this really what I should be doing? And I think about what other career could I possibly be doing where I actually get to win yeah. at something, right? I'm not a professional athlete. So other than that, <laughs> there's really no other career you can have where you get that feeling of winning. And I think for right. some of us, it's essential. <laughs> I have to say, I totally agree with you. And I often think about it in that way. And I think it's part of the reason why I was so attracted to it. I am a pretty competitive person when it comes to winning and doing our best and being driven. And there's really no other profession where there are declared winners and losers in the way that we have in litigation. And so it makes it fun. It obviously motivates you in a totally different way. I mean, I'll be up at 3 a.m. thinking about the strategy of a case or how to handle discovery and I'm emailing my team. I'm not expecting a response at that time, but I just, I want my thoughts down. And it's because I'm so highly motivated by winning for my clients, but also that's just something innate in me that I have always had. Yeah, it's, it's great that there's a profession for us, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's not athletes. <laughs> so you were talked a little bit about how you got yourself on that case or you were able to get a seat at the table. How through the years, you know, have you been able to find opportunities for um, to show show off your skills and put yourself um, forward as the person to take the lead? Sure. So one of the things that I, I always say, and this is not um, necessarily always true, I do feel like in every industry, this isn't just the legal industry, I think women, you know, walk into a conference room and have to prove themselves. And sometimes that's not the same for, for men. And I say that as a loving mom of two wonderful boys. Um, I always find that that is an opportunity. Instead of getting frustrated by it, I take 
the time and the opportunity to actually show off what I can do and gain that credibility with the client and with my peers who may never have worked with me before. And I find that if you actually do that type of work and not shy away from showing your skill set, people will want to work with you and they will request you by name. Um, oftentimes, I'm still one of the only women who are, are senior in the conference room, in the courtroom, in the boardroom. And I view that as an opportunity to be different and have a different voice. And, and people will listen. You know, when you can back up what you're saying with experience and skill, they're going to want you to do the work. Um, but you have to be ready for it and, and don't underprepare. Always overprepare, overdeliver, and you will reap the benefits from it. I do think that um, there's more of an awareness now uh, than there was before. Um, at least I know from when I was coming up, um, when you're in a room with lots of different people, and frankly, most of the time it's men, not women. Um, and where you say something, it used to be more often the case, if you spoke up and had a good point, it still might not be heard until the person sitting across from you who was male repeated that point as if it was his own. And that happened to me many, many times you know, throughout my career, but I find it's happening a little bit less. And I don't know if that's also your experience, but I feel like there's more of a recognition that, that people realize that might be happening. And so it happens less because of that. But I don't know absolutely. if that's also your experience. Absolutely. I've seen a change in that respect. Mm -hmm. I also think that women are becoming more comfortable speaking up and saying, hey, I already said that. That was my idea. And I try to make sure that other women who are speaking, associates, my mentees, have that platform mm -hmm. and give them, you know, the chance to say their idea and to fully, you know, talk to a client and have direct contact with the client because those are the things that are so important as you're rising through the ranks and as you're becoming more senior. Um, and I think, you know, women have a unique position in cases on teams and in working with clients where sometimes you can say things in a different way and will actually listen more. Um, so it's important to speak up and, and that's not to say that you have to be um, over the top or super loud. I tend to be both of those things, but you don't have to be um, in order to succeed. You should figure out what's your personality, what's your style, and go with that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it has to be your own style. If it's forced, it's going to appear forced and it's not going to work, you know, if it's not genuine. So yeah, you want it to be natural and organic to you. Yes, like you, I have no problem speaking up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what attracts us to litigation, I'm sure. Um, yes, definitely. <laughs> you also, uh, you and I also, I'm like rumbling my words together today because I'm speaking too quickly, but you and I also share a value in mentorship. Um, I, I agree that mentorship is um, super important and finding the right mentor um, if you can. And I'm wondering how you've gone about finding the right mentor, finding someone who both could mentor you and wants to mentor you, um, as well as you know providing mentorship for those who are coming up behind you. Yeah, absolutely. That is a key component to 
career success, I think, in any industry, but particularly in law and in litigation. Um, for me, I always find that mentorship, it's organic if it's go going to work at its best. Um, you can't just match people up and hope that it's going to work out. Sometimes it works out. But I find that my strongest relationships, both mentor-mentee, tend to happen organically. Um, and you work with people, and it's just it's a fit. It's a click. And you know when it happens, and you know when it doesn't. And it's okay if it doesn't. But the ones that actually really work, you've got to foster that relationship. Continue to work with that person or persons. You know, grab a coffee. Take opportunities to talk to them about life, not just about an assignment or work. And once you have established that kind of trusted relationship, loyalty will develop and people look out for each other in this world. And that's critical. I mean, I always, I always tell people who I mentor now, you have to build a fan base. And in that fan base, you need a few different components. You need mentors. You need sponsors who are going to also speak up on your behalf and try to promote you and make sure that you're getting opportunities. And then you need peers who are your friends and your sounding boards and your people who you can beg to when you need to. You need all three of those in order to kind of make everything work. Um, and so just developing those relationships is super important and, and leaning into the ones that work and being okay with the ones that don't. I, I think that's critical. And I think sometimes young associates feel that they can't take the time to develop those relationships. You know, they don't, they want to keep their head down, constantly churning out work and not always coming up for air in terms of going out for a lunch or getting a coffee. And, and what would you say to them? Well, I would say 100% don't keep your head down because Part of what makes this so much fun is the team element and brainstorming and talking and having some fun. People forget to have fun sometimes. And I think that's what has kept me in this profession for as long as I've been in it. It's that you have fun with the people who you're working with. Mm -hmm. uh, so developing those relationships and sending an email and saying, hey, can I grab coffee with you? People are more than willing to do that, especially if they view you as somebody who is a great attorney, great associate, who cares about development. Um, so send the email, stop by the office, get on a Zoom, and don't only do the work. That's an important factor, but you want to be a person as well. I mean, I agree a thousand percent, because especially because what we do is so stressful, and you sometimes you are in the trenches, and you want to be in the trenches with people that you can have fun with and that you want to be in the trenches with. You don't want to be in the trenches with someone you don't know at all outside of, uh, you know, the office. So absolutely. Yeah. Very cute. Especially, you know, for, for me in a small firm, we, it's especially true. You know, we basically, everyone we work with, everyone that's in our firm, we have to get along. If we don't get along and have a relationship that's more than just shuffling papers across the table, um, you know, it just doesn't work. It makes a huge difference, even in the work product, because when people like each other and have fun and work well together, brainstorm, the work product is better. The client relationships are better. Everything is better. So take the time, take the time to find your, your fan base, your people, and cultivate those relationships. 
Speaking of uh, those relationships, how did you make the decision to move from from Ropes to Quinn and other big career moves that you've made in your in your journey? And did, who did you consult? Did you consult anyone, or you keep your own counsel? How did you go about making those decisions? So for me, um, I'm a big believer in trusting my gut. And I'm trying to instill that in my kids right now, that little voice inside of you to, to trust it. When the opportunity to join Quinn Emanuel came up, I, I just had a good feeling about it. I knew I wanted to be a you know high-powered litigator. I knew I wanted to be a courtroom lawyer. And I knew that Quinn Emanuel had just an incredible reputation and platform for that. So I had the opportunity to join very early on. I think I was the fourth or fifth lawyer to join Quinn Boston. And for me, that was exciting. It was like starting at the ground level, completely new, having an opportunity to have a say and hand selecting talent that we brought in here. But at the same time, we're backed by a powerhouse litigation firm like Quinn Emanuel. So those things really excited me. Um, so it was partly practice and platform driven. And the other piece of it, one of my mentors left Ropes and came to Quinn. And that was a relationship that was important to me. Um, and between those two things, the, the practice and the, the mentorship, it was kind of a, an incredible recipe for, for what I thought was going to be successful and new and fun. And I'm grateful that it's, it's worked out. Um, I, I bet on myself and it worked out. And I, that's something that I think is super important. That's great. I love that you consult uh, both yourself and also you know, get some data as well. Yeah, <laughs> but I actually do really believe that the gut is, it tells you, right? If something feels wrong, it probably is wrong. And, uh, it's a great <laughs> lesson to teach our children. <laughs> it's a tough one to articulate, but things come up every once in a while. And I'm like, did you think you should have done that? And my older one will say, no. And I'm like, that's that's the little voice inside of you. That's your gut. Listen to it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, speaking of like internal voice and perspective, how do you feel that your um, perspective as a woman has affected your practice, if it has at all? Um, I think we touched upon this a little bit in terms of being the only or one of the only voices in the room who is a woman at times. I think that differentiates you and clients seek you out. And I'm also happy to say that over the years, you've seen so many powerful, incredible women going in-house. And I think that has also shifted the perspective in terms of how cases, case teams are put together and what people want to see and who yeah. they want speaking. Um, so things are trending in the right direction. I'd say the other thing that um, I think is a little bit different about women, and you know, I can only speak for myself, is that we come at problems, not just from the perspective of being, you know, book smart, but also because everybody's smart and, it, you know, everybody's smart in these firms and we all have that training but you also need to have the component of being street smart. And I, I think women have a different intuitive value when it comes to, to street smart. And it's something that I've used often. Um, oftentimes my clients tell me, you know, the, the biggest value is that you have great judgment. And I think it comes from being, you know, okay, book smart, of course, 
but then applying your street smarts to solving solving a problem, whether that's going to trial or resolving a case early, and that's a win for a client. Um, so those those combined factors, I think, women bring to the table in a very unique way. I agree. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, it's completely true. We, you know, there's there's sometimes when I think, you know, it's good to have both perspectives or all perspectives, right? The more perspectives you can get on, on an issue, sometimes the better. And you do need to be able to have that judgment. And, and you know, it's sometimes it's more intuitive and it's something that you can just see the answer. And, you know, having that, you know, can only benefit the client. And so... You know, I have a, I have female partners, I have a male partner, and sometimes we find that we work better on cases together to reach, yeah. you know, a solution because we see it things a little bit differently. And so bringing both those viewpoints together really helps us, you know, to serve the client and get to a solution faster and, and better. So it's yeah, putting the right people in place on teams is, is hugely critical. And you really, you need all sorts of people to make things succeed. Diversity is important. <laughs> yep. um, what do you value most about having your law degree? That's a great question. For me, it's the exposure that I've gotten along my career. So I have met some of the most interesting, cool, unique, smart people in my representations. And these are people who I don't think I otherwise would have met. Um, some are very, very high net worth individuals. Some are entrepreneurs and inventors. And as I said, I tend to form relationships with my clients because what we do is so intense and so high pressure and so personal to them. And it becomes personal for you too once you get to know those clients. And I've fostered relationships with people who are now like my brothers or my sisters, people who you might not talk to all the time. But if you needed something in the middle of the night, they'd be there for you. And that's because, you know, you take it so seriously. So for me, it's the exposure to just an incredible, unique set of people. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole different world, right? When you step into it and being able to have that. And, and also the side of it that you sit on, I think as an attorney, people come to you for advice. So they're telling you things that they might not, telling the you know they're not telling the rest right. of the world and so it's a really special relationship that you develop with these people and that's really uh i value it and i think you value it yeah. as well it's incredible and you know when you have that kind of credibility with a client you have really good conversations i mean i always tell people i want the good i want the bad i want the ugly i want to know everything so that we can actually come up with the right solution for you um, if I only know enough the story, it's not going to work. And I'm going to give you, you know, the best advice, even if it's me disagreeing with you sometimes. But I think people appreciate that kind of honesty and direction. And if they trust your judgment, then you're you have something special. No, that's key. Speaking of something special, you um, have mentioned a couple of times you have two young boys. You do have a family life outside of uh, the office. Um, we talk sometimes in this, you know, in this world about balancing career balance, the juggle, especially for moms. Um, how do you see it, and and what do you do to, you know, keep everything 
moving smoothly and you know keeping a keeping the kids happy and yourself happy and or at least not miserable (laughs) (laughs) great question um I kind of hate the myth of work-life balance because I just think it's that. I think it's a myth. I think once you change your perspective and think about work and life more as a world that you have to prioritize, you know, certain things over other things day to day, week to week, sometimes hour by hour, um, that mind shift really helps. So I don't think about it as balanced. It's never going to be perfectly balanced. It's going to be imbalanced. And sometimes, you know, when I'm on trial, I'm more all in on the work side. But then there are other times where I'm on vacation and I'm doing things at my son's school. You know, this past Friday, I had a crazy morning hearing. And then I was literally cooking meatballs for a multicultural event at my son's school in the afternoon. So, I mean, you have to look at it as almost a jigsaw puzzle week to week and where are your priorities? And that's something even in college, I think I became really attuned to. I was like, you can work, you can play, but there's a time and a place for each one. And when you figure that out, I think the world opens up in a completely different way and you're able to actually fit in most of the things you care about every day. Mm-hmm. And it's messy. Sometimes it's messy. Some weeks, you know, some weeks maybe you haven't had a moment to exercise or, you know, do something most, for yourself. Most what? weeks. Are, most weeks. Are not <laughs> <laughs> that one always falls to the bottom of the list, but that's okay. <laughs> Don't forget about self-care. Trust me, the older you get, I'm older than you, the older you get, the more important it is. So <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Okay, so my last three questions are my supposedly rapid fire questions. I ask these of everybody. I think it's fascinating to hear what people say. So hopefully this will be fun. Um, If you couldn't be an attorney, what career would you choose? So I have a lot of creative energy. um, And that's something that you. So I think I would have been an interior designer. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. I love that. I have no eye for that at all. So <laughs> you could come help me. <laughs> I would love to. Um, second, um, what is the one thing that you know now that you wish you knew when you graduated from law school? So in terms of relationships, um, you think about people who you're exposed to along the way, and including in law school. Those friends, those classmates may one day end up being your clients or your prospective clients. So foster those relationships, be genuine about it um, because nobody wants a phony cold call when everybody's you know made it. And I think having that knowledge going through law school is something that's really important. That's a great answer. I don't think I've heard that one before either. And last but not least, um, would you recommend a law career to a woman considering going to law school today? I I absolutely would. I think it opens up a lot of opportunities and even different career paths. So you go to law school, you can be on a traditional path where you're at a law firm or you have your own firm. 
Um, you can go in-house and have different opportunities there. But even if you're not in the legal field, I think a law degree really opens up chances down the road in consulting or politics or even in business. I mean, people can use a law degree in so many different ways. And I think it always comes with credibility. And women do well in the law. It's an industry where you can succeed and rise to the top. And so I definitely would recommend it. Yes. I agree a thousand percent. So thank you, Aliki, so much for joining us today. This has been so much fun. And I hope we get to meet up again in real life soon. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to meet in Boston or New York at some point. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. You've been listening to Success in Brief with your host, Roseanne Felicello. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments, and sharing the show with others. You can catch prior episodes at www.felicellolaw.com and on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Twitter, and more.